0: How many appreciate the presence of the Lord? Amen. Tell you what, church would be pretty dull without it. I'm thankful that Christ Point experiences the presence of God every time. Amen? And why is that? The reason for that is is because you come with expectation and anticipation. And I think God loves that. So God shows up. And does wonderful things, doesn't he? Amen. I appreciate it's been just a joy. Uh, I just want to just say quickly, uh, Pam and I have settled back in Joplin, which was our home. We were in Dallas-Fort Worth for about eight years there with the college, followed the college. And uh, what's awesome is this is the first time in years where we've been able to really get involved in our home church. And Pam and I are just excited. It's a new season for us. Pastor talked about seasons, and it is certainly a new season for us. And I want to thank Pastor for the privilege and honor of getting to uh, share the pulpit this morning and to come alongside him. And I appreciate his ministry, his love for the word. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again you have one of the premier preachers in the country pastoring this church amen amen he's in demand not only in the pentecostal church of god but outside the pentecostal church of god as well amen so god bless you this morning let's give the lord another big big hand of appreciation for his presence this morning amen he's already done a work in many of your lives this morning so Uh, I have been uh, attracted lately to familiar verses that we all know, and I'm going to go to another one again this morning, and it's as if the Lord's been dealing with me to look at these familiar verses again. Uh, There used to be a commercial years ago, maybe you remember it, about cornflakes, and the commercial said, try cornflakes again for the first time. I did, and I still don't like them. they just nothing. My cereal has to have something with it, not just cardboard. But anyway. (laughs) But there are times, really, we need to uh, visit the familiar verses again, you might say, for the first time, with a fresh look. So this morning, I want to go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We all know this scripture, Matthew 28, verse 18, verses 18 through 20. Well, there we go. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, A. We know this text as what? The great what? The great commission. I want to look at it from a little different perspective this morning. I want to speak on the thought, the great assumption. The great assumption. Luigi Tiresio was found dead one morning with scarce a comfort in his home. But with 246 exquisite violins, which he had been collecting all of his life, crammed into an attic. The best in the bottom drawer of an old rickety bureau. In his very devotion to the violin, he had robbed the world of all the music all the time he treasured them. Others before him had done the same. So that when the greatest, col- when the greatest of his collection, a Stradivarius was first played, it had spent 147 speechless years. In our very love of the church, if we're not careful, we fail to give the glad tidings to the world. In our zeal for the truth, we forget to publish it. When shall we learn that the good news needs not only to be cherished but needs to be told. Amen? I remember some years ago on my wife's 45th anniversary, we went on the cruise. And the theme for the cruise, I'll never forget, because they were always repeating it, was get out there. Get out there. And I kind of like that. So Pam and I got out there and took the cruise. (laughs) And I get the idea here that the Great Commission is not the word Go. It is make disciples. Go is actually the participle of the verse, which is the idea could be translated like this. Having gone, or in your going, or while going, the great assumption of Jesus is that Jesus assumes we are already out there. Amen? He assumes we're already out there. I heard one speaker not too long ago say this. We have reversed this and we have changed the go to come. what What we have done in the American church, we have asked the sinner, hear this, we've asked the sinner to become the missionary. Come. Enter into a foreign environment. Enter in with a foreign language. Religiosity speak. And so we have asked them to come to a foreign environment. So the idea here of Matthew 28, what does it really mean to be out there? What does it really mean to spread the gospel? There's three things I want to bring forward this morning. Very simple. Because sometimes we get a false idea of what the commission is. And here the assumption of Jesus. How does that play out? What does that look like? But we get a false idea of witnessing evangelism. May I say that God has done great things in our lives. So there's three things I want to emphasize this morning. Number one, simply live your life in Christ. Secondly, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, be eager to engage. Simply live your life in Christ. In other words, be who you really are now, the real you. Ephesians chapter 2 says, describes what we were before we were saved. And it says, you who were dead in your sins and in your trespasses. He didn't say you were lost. He didn't say you were sick. He said, you were dead. Don't underestimate the power of that word dead. Then verses 3 and 4 goes on to talk about what I call the activities of the tombs. Before we were saved, Paul said, you were, and this is a familiar phrase today, you were the walking dead. But thank God for verse 5, but now we have received a resurrection through Jesus Christ and the scripture actually says we are seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 18 through 20 says that now, catch this, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit which we have of God and we are not our own. God no longer dwells in a temple on a hilltop in the middle of Jerusalem. Jesus introduced the kingdom is here and it is a new era and I will come and dwell with you. John 14.23 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will love you. The Father will love you. And we will come and take up residence in you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6... That since our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, I like this. There, there's two Greek words in the New Testament for temple. One is a word that's more general. There's the temple over there. Another word is more specific and particular, and it refers to the holiest of holies, naas. It refers to that place where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt behind the second veil. When Paul said our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul is saying that actually you are the naos of God. Your body is the holiest of holies of almighty God. Our pastor where we preached this week in Fresno, he, I love this phrase. He said, we are literally carriers of the presence of God. You know why the presence of God shows up here in our services? Because you bring him in your anticipation and expectation. So catch this. Before I was saved, walking dead. After I'm saved, a walking shrine of God. Glory. So simply live your life in Christ. In other words, be who you are now, the real you. Because hear this, before we were saved, we were not what God called, created, and designed us to be. We were not the real you, not the real me. Once we are saved, we come into sync. With God's purpose and design for life. And hear this. That's why it means we are born again. Why? New life. Glory. Now that you are saved, no pretense. You can be the real you. The one whom God created and designed you to be. Free. Hear this. Free. Free. To be the real me glory, look at your neighbor, smile at him and say, free to be the real me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Note, a new creature. When you get saved, you don't become a new and improved version like the 2020 cars that have just rolled out. No, it's still a Chevy Impala. It's new and improved. There's been some things added to it. Design's a little different, but it's still a Chevy Impala. No, when we get saved, you're not a new and improved version. You become a new creature. Amen. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Glory. So you have the before and the after. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, we see, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye have been called. What we were before salvation, before salvation, as I said, the walking dead, what were we dead to? We were dead to God and the things of God. We were dead to his truth. We were dead to the life of God. We were not who we were meant to be, not the real self. But once we become saved, we become the real, what God has designed us to be. I love the book of Ephesians. It's divided perfectly between the first 3 chapters and the second 3 chapters. The first 3 chapters talks about the wealth of the believer And and friend, if you ever get discouraged, sometime read the first three chapters of Ephesians and underscore every time the word "in" is used—in Christ, in blessings, in the heavenlies. I mean, it's it's awesome. In other words, the apostle Paul, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he shares God's treasure chest, and these treasures are now ours as his children. We are blessed. How many knows that? We are blessed. Then the second three chapters, where the first three talks about the wealth of the believer, the second half talks about the walk of the believer. So after sharing God's treasures in the first three chapters, it's as if Paul says, now when your feet land back down on earth, this is how you walk with all of that. Walk worthy of vocation then, wherewith ye have been called. Chapter 4, verse 1 kind of acts like a conjunction. Sorry, I've been a teacher too long. But a conjunction Brings two key thoughts together, and it's as if chapter four, verse one, ties both sections together. Ties them together. Now, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you have been called. Worthy there has to do with weight. Walk with the weight. If you're gonna walk with a weight. Walk with the right weight. Don't walk with a weight that keeps you stooped shoulder. That's why Jesus says, come to me and exchange yokes. The one you're carrying, I didn't give to you. It's keeping you bent over. Here, take mine. It's easy. It's light. In other words, my yoke is suitable. Paul is saying this. He is saying, if you're going to walk with the weight of something, walk with the weight of the treasures of who you are now in Jesus Christ. Rather than make you stooped shouldered it will put a spring in your step and a song in your heart. Glory So walk with that. Now, the walk of the believer, there's a difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. The Old Testament formula said, and I'm still talking about Ephesians 4.1. The thought is there behind the verse. In the Old Testament, the formula was, be good and I will bless you. Well, bad news. Nobody could be good. Failed miserably. That's why the sacrificial system was in place all those years. The people were continuously in debt. It wasn't really taking care of the sin problem. It was just covering it over. How many knows that whenever you receive an envelope in the mail and it has a little window in it, you know what to find in there, don't you? It's a bill. (laughs) We get those every month, don't we? Let us know. You're in debt here, pay this, when the people looked at the tabernacle in the wilderness or the temple on the mountain in Jerusalem and they saw the smoke of the sacrifices ascending continuously, it reminded them that they were in debt, a debt that could not be paid. But I am thankful this morning that one came along by the name of Jesus Christ who according to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 was the perfect ultimate sacrifice and the sacrificial system and the priesthood was done away with. And not only that he loads us with his treasures and his blessings. What? As his children, behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, not just any child, sons and daughters of the Almighty. Glory. So the Old Testament formula says, be good and I will bless you. No one could be good, failed at it. The New Testament formula, because of Jesus Christ, says this. According to this verse, Ephesians 4.1, it's saying, Here's its formula. I have blessed you. Now be good. Glory? Lift your hands and praise the Lord while I get a swig. Hallelujah. Amen. Big news. Past couple of weeks. Megan and Harry Act away from the royal family and its duties, <laughs> stepped away from the royal family, and it's caused all kinds of consternation in Buckingham Palace. Bless the Lord. I've got news for you. You are in a royal family that far outshines. Anything England has to offer in fact, may I say this (laughs) You can't escape this royal family. So you might as well take it on with all of its benefits (laughs) All of its blessings and all of its treasures. Amen. So simply live your life in Christ Be who you are The real you, not a a new you, but the real you whom God has called you to be. What you were before you were saved was a facade. It wasn't real. It was a lie. Now you are alive in God. You were dead to God. You were dead to the things of God. Now you've become dead to the world, dead to sin, dead to the devil, and you've come alive to God and the things of God and the truth of God now lives in you. Jesus lives here, the Father lives here, and by the time he gets out of John 16, the Holy Spirit shows up. In other words, you are the walking shrine of God. Listen, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Godhead, the Holy Trinity lives right here. And if you need more than that to live victoriously, close up, shop, go home, do something else. I mean, let's be honest. He's with us. Number two, not only simply live your life in Christ, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I love this. Verse 18 there in that chapter said, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Jesus says that. All power. Not some, not part. All power in heaven and in earth is transferred over to me. How many knows that the enemy is the prince and power of the air, the God of this age? Yet Jesus declares all power. Satan doesn't have it. I have it. He's on parole and he knows it. He's on a short lease. He's as a roaring lion. I remember as a kid going to, uh, we born and raised in the Bay Area in California and I remember going to the San Francisco Zoo as a kid and it was feeding time where they were feeding the tigers and the lions. We were standing back a little way from the cages while the zookeepers were going through there and they were throwing these big slabs of meat in there. And I mean to tell you, one didn't get over too far. It was right in between the cages and a tiger and a lion were going after it. And I mean the roaring was amazing. How many of you have ever heard the full roar of a lion in person? Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it scares. Now, I was a little too old to wet my britches, but I'll tell you what, if I. It was scary. <laughs> the Bible says the devil goes about as a roaring lion. There's only one real lion, and he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. So all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Note, the Lord, therefore, never calls anyone without enabling them first. He doesn't shove us out there on our own. The Holy Spirit is carrying on the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth through you and I. Wherever we go, there goes Jesus. Wherever, the whole, wherever we go, there is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not just a future conqueror. He is the conquer. He was the conqueror 2,000 years ago on the cross. Didn't look like it that first day. Came across a little anecdote not too long ago about the Battle of Waterloo where England under Wellington defeated Napoleon and his forces. And after battle was done, of course, England is on pins and needles waiting to hear the report. And finally, the report was flashed, but a mist rolled in. And so the only thing that England saw first was Wellington defeated. And then the mist rolled in, and it plunged England for a short time into great sorrow and sadness, consternation. But after a little while, the mist rolled away, Brother Doug, and the sign said, Wellington defeated Napoleon. And England erupted. There was a day on a Friday, just before the darkness rolled in, Jesus defeated. But on the third day, that mist rolled away, and we got the whole message. Jesus defeated death. Hell and the grave, the victory is ours already. Not in the future, but past tense. Present tense has an impact. He invaded hell and removed the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And that, hear this, that same power and authority now resides in you and I. He has granted us the power of eternity. Eternity to do what? To go out there and be Jesus, to shine. So the content of the command is make disciples, which indicates a process of evangelism. Preaching, teaching, reaching, establishing, counseling, healing, discipling, mentoring, visiting, organizing, edifying, finally sending. It looks exactly like what Jesus did when he was on earth. Amen. Making disciples does not stop at the altar. It begins there. I've always thought, I'm sorry about this, but I'll apologize right now, Pastor. And correct me afterwards. If it was just a matter of getting saved and getting people to heaven, why not, when they come to the altar, get them saved and then take them to the firing squad, send them on to heaven real quickly so they don't have to mess with all this? No. There's more, to than just getting saved. Amen? So the idea here is the church is not just an organization. It is a living organism of which Jesus is the head. I want to thank God for this church. And I've told pastor this. In fact, I shared with the pastor where we were at in ministry in Fresno, California this week, shared with him some of the things that was going on here as far as discipleship, and he's excited. And I told him, I'm going to be putting you in contact with Pastor Tim because they're at the point right now their church is exploding. And isn't it awesome that being part of the great kingdom of God, we can advance his kingdom wherever we are at. Christ point knows how to disciple. Amen? Amen. Come on, give it up. You are in a New Testament church that knows what they're doing and knows the purpose of God. Amen. So, the idea here is that we are making disciples. Thirdly, not only simply live your life in Christ, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but be eager to engage. There's such a thing as intentional fishing and spontaneous fishing. My brother-in-law, Pam's brother, who married my sister, uh, wonderful Christians. Wonder, uh, I mean my married my wife's where, married my sister, Pam's brother. Let me get a shot. Pam's brother married my sister. It is an age thing. They just retired. He's a fly fisherman, loves the fish. And they moved back to their home from California, Shady Cove, Oregon. God gave them a beautiful house because Shady Cove, Oregon, the Rogue River, one of the finest fishing rivers in America, flows right behind their house. He doesn't even have to have a fishing license. He can get up any time he wants, stroll back in his backyard, get the water and fish as long as he wants. I thought, man, you are in heaven already. Where do you guys go on vacation? The city? We got <laughs> Perfect. So he does spontaneous fishing, and he does intentional fishing. May I say Jesus has called us to fish. Amen. I said then, what's, fishing, what does that entail? Be eager to engage. I've always said this. In fact, I said this one Wednesday night, but let me repeat it here. What's absent in our lives is not the presence of God. We already have that. How many know that? Raise your hand. We live, move, and be. We live, move, and our being is in God's presence. Amen. What's absent in my life is not the presence of God. What's absent in my life, hear this, is my awareness of God's presence in my life on a daily basis. And so the more acute my awareness of his presence becomes on a daily basis, the more alive my faith will become, the deeper my roots will go, and the more presence and excitement and accomplishing God's purpose for my life will take place when I am more aware of his presence, not just when I'm here in church and with the Holy Huddle. I'm at Walmart. Well, let me tell you, Walmart's a great field. I'm not saying I go to Walmart a lot, but next to church, I love Walmart. Walmart's, yeah. If you're from certain parts, it's Walmart's. <laughs> I love Walmart. I'm not saying I've gone to Walmart so too many times, but we were sitting in church one Sunday morning, not this church. And I wrote out our tie check, handed it to Pam to hand it up the aisle to the usher. She handed it back to me, and she said, "Could you change this, please?" I wrote my tie check. I made it out to Walmart. It's <laughs> going to Walmart a little too much. <laughs> Note: Be eager to engage if we are aware of God's presence, God's presence will keep us alert to our surroundings and our environment. Let me tell you, when that becomes acute in our lives, you won't need to look for opportunities many times. God will just bring them to you, and your spirit will bear witness with his spirit what to do and what to say. Be aware of our surroundings. God will bring opportunities your way. Amen? Amen. Remember when we were living there in Dallas Fort Worth, and we had a 45-minute commute one way uh, to where we worked, and uh, we would drove through one part a huge parking lot shortcut where you had Home Depot, Sonic, and Michaels, you know, a little shopping center, and we'd drive through this parking lot and going back and forth every day. A Sonic, uh, there was this particular pickup that really attracted me. I mean, it was a nice-looking pickup, a maroon pickup, and man, it was fixed up, and I noticed that as we went day after day, week after week, this truck was there many times when we were leaving for work early in the morning and still there. When we got home, we were usually gone 10, 12 hours a day because of the, commute. and I don't know, one day we're driving by there, and an impression, not, it was not an audible voice, but an impression just basically said, you know what? I want you to find the owner of that pickup. And I want you to tell that owner simply this. God loves you more than you can comprehend. Jesus loves you. And I thought, okay, too much pizza. So I just. And every day I'd see that. And it still kept nagging my inner spirit. And, of course, you tend to argue with, well, Lord, how am I going to do that? Just barge into Sonic and say, who owns the pickup over here? No. No. I was so hard headed, I'm confessing this morning. One day coming home, I went a different route so I wouldn't have to see the pickup. I'm being honest. Then I remember one day, Pastor Brandon, I had to come home in the middle of the day and get something to shoot right back to the office. And I was coming back, there was the pickup. And I mean that, I I, I can't explain it other than the urge was so strong. I, 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 st- I was passing Sonic, getting up even with Home Depot, and I immediately did a U-turn. I had to. I had no choice. So I come pulling up, and I'm thinking, okay, Lord. And at that same moment, a gentleman was walking out of the back of Sonic, pulling a big garbage can headed to the dumpsters. And immediately in my spirit, it said, that's him. So I pull up, I slow down, lower my window, and I said, "Sir, do you know who owns that pickup there?" I knew what the answer was going to be. He says, "Yeah, I do." And I said, oh, "Okay." I said, "Okay." <laughs> it's what it sounded like, oh, "Okay." Uh, I said, "I need to talk to you just for a moment." So I pulled over. He went and dumped the trash can. I got out of my car, left it running, and this is all God told me to say. I kind of put my arm around him and said, "Sir." Your pickup's fine. But I said, I'm just here to simply tell you, Jesus loves you. God loves you more than you can comprehend. And the tears welled up in his eyes. And I hugged him, got in my car, drove off, because that's all that God wanted me to say to that man. I don't know what ever become of him, but God does. Let me tell you, serving the Lord is an adventure. Indiana Jones has nothing over you if we truly experience his presence and follow him. Be aware. When we are aware of his presence, he will bring opportunities to us. And in 1 Peter 3.15, be ready. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Glory. Philip was at a citywide revival in Samaria. Things were going well. He was making the headlines every day with the revival that was taking place there. But the Lord, the Spirit came to him, told him to leave the revival and head south into the desert. He obeyed the Holy Spirit's prompting. And what happened? He, we all know he came to a man in a chariot reading Isaiah, the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip approached him and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, is this, man's, is this speaking of this prophet or someone else? And I love what the scripture says. The scripture says, Philip simply opened his mouth. He was already full of the presence and the truth of God. He didn't have to hand him a track or memorize certain things which are good. But it flowed out and shared Christ. And when it was over with, this man was saved baptized in water right there on the spot. Philip went on his way. This Ethiopian eunuch went on his way who was a treasurer in the courts of Candace and friend when it was over with, he left a citywide revival to minister to one individual who went to his nation and a nation came to the Lord. Only God knows the future. Only God knows what's out there. That's why He wants us out there to shine for Jesus. Be yourself. God saved you. God has empowered you. God has anointed you. God has sanctified you. Hear this God believes in you. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain, the apostle said. So, in closing, let me say this. The assumption of Jesus, the assumption of Jesus precedes the commission. Get out there. While you're out there, make disciples. Jesus does not send his disciples out, forth helpless and hopeless. We already have all the equipment we need to accomplish the task. We need only to get out there, and may I say, in your life and what's going on here in this church and congregation and our services, there is such a thing, pastor, that I believe is called attraction. There's an attraction coming. What do you mean? When the power and presence of God shows up, lives are saved, lives are healed, lives are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, when demons are cast out, when miracles are taking place, the crowds will start to come as well. Not there will be a harvest out there, but there's going to be a harvest in here. Why? Attraction on your jobs. People will be attracted to you. Why? Because you're living the real you in Christ. They will want to know what is it about you? How can you talk like that? How can you Treat me like this after I've done what I've done to you. I'll tell you why. You are Jesus. Glory. Come on. Glory. Say it with me. Glory. We only need to get out there. The attraction's coming. I say that from the Lord right now. Attraction's coming to this house. And attraction is coming to your lives. And we're going to hear testimonies of people coming, of how people have come to the Lord and how they've shared their faith. And they didn't go looking for it. It's coming. We're going to hear these testimonies. And that's only going to generate more excitement and expectation. Hallelujah. Somebody said this is a good life. You bet it is. It's a good life when you've surrendered it to the Lord. So, we have no excuse. The world of harvest awaits us. So let's get out there and shine.